Casey. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jill. Do you have your pajamas? You're in pajamas. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're all in our pajamas. It's fine. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I am also in bed. Hello, and welcome to the MS5 podcast, Things They Don't Teach You in Medical School, hosted by Swathi Raman and Aisha Gulani. Today's episode is part two of our Women in Medical School series in honor of Women in Medicine Month this September. Here we have Susie Soto and Jill Shaw from UCF AMWA with us today. So can both of you go ahead and introduce yourself and give your positions on AMWA board? Sure. So hi, I'm Susie Soto. I am the president of the American Medical Women's Association uh, at UCF, and it's been a real big pleasure to work with all the ladies associated with AMWA as we hope to bring um, awareness to women's issues in, me- in medicine. I went to undergrad at Johns Hopkins University, and before that, I lived in Miami uh, for most of my life. I was actually born in Cuba and I came to this country when I was six years old, so um, I've been in a lot of places um, in the past 25 years. You don't realize just how much that shapes your life, the fact that you're not Mm -hmm. from this country and the fact that you grew up very differently, Um, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that my experience was unique until I went and left home for college and I'm smack in the middle of Baltimore and I'm totally different <laughs> from everyone else. It, it really does shape. And then even in yeah. healthcare, it really does shape your perspective and your worldview. That's awesome. Um, Jill. Hi, I'm Jill Shaw. Um, I'm a second year medical student at UCF College of Medicine. I went to UCF as an undergraduate student. Um, I grew up for most of my life in Michigan, but um, I moved around a little bit before that. I'm a treasurer on the AMWA-UCF POM. <laughs> so next, I guess we wanted to ask, why did you both get involved with AMWA? Um, so that was that's actually a pretty good question. For me, like, I, I tend to do what I want. And <laughs> I, I never really given much thought to who was stopping me or what that meant as as a woman like that potentially people maybe look at you and think that maybe you shouldn't be doing this or that i i've always done what i wanted um mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. the you know as i started applying to med school and colleges and things and and you start becoming aware of the issues in life that mm-hmm. people go through that maybe you don't necessarily go through or maybe you do you just don't realize it i started kind mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm realizing the kinds of things that you believe to be normal that you don't realize that happened to you because you're a girl and and for me mm-hmm. that wasn't so much mm-hmm. people on the outside but it was people on the inside like little things like little sayings that mm-hmm. you know Cuban moms will tell you like it's mm-hmm. cuter when you're quiet and don't be so opinionated oh. <laughs> and don't you don't be so yeah. outspoken yeah. Or, or the way that people react when you're when you're someone that has an opinion you know especially mm-hmm. in a hispanic community where they didn't expect you to be outspoken they didn't expect you to be mm-hmm. loud or have you know so things like that and and you know my parents didn't want me to go away for college that wasn't even on the table and oh wow mm-hmm. yeah and then i had to kind of fight for that i had to mm-hmm. fight the connotation that i wasn't a math and science girl that i was like a letters girl and and things mm-hmm. like that and then i started to realize that i've done a lot in my short life and it was in spite of all those things and what would have happened if i had mm-hmm. listened to those things and then right. also mm-hmm. and sometimes i did listen and it did affect like my self-esteem and things like that and i didn't know that right 
So Mm -hmm. I think I was really like empowered to go for AMWA president because I felt I wanted to see how other women were doing it in healthcare and how they were doing all the things that a woman should do or want to do. And then some, and I wanted to Mm -hmm. bring Mm -hmm. that information and awareness to my classmates in case they struggled with those things the way I did. That's amazing. And then Jill? Uh, I think for me, I've always been someone that has like really wanted to people please and be like the perfect person. And like, I got Mm -hmm. lucky because I grew up in a family Mm -hmm. that didn't really follow those traditional dynamics. Like my mom always made more money than my dad. Like (laughs) housework was always very split evenly. Like my dad was the one that loved to cook. And I Mm -hmm. think like having like lots of friends over and things like that, like you start to realize like I have plenty of friends where their moms like work all day and then also are expected to do all of the housework and all of the childcare and things like that. And I think I started to see like more mm-hmm. of those inequalities, like as I started to grow up and like, just see that sometimes like things are made harder just based on the gender you are based on your own experiences, based on the color of your skin, all mm-hmm. of those things. Um, and I think coming to a university where our dean is like inspiring incredible women like you can never Mm -hmm. hear speak Mm -hmm. um it was an environment where I felt really comfortable with the idea Mm -hmm. of like hey we're ready to change like the culture of Mm -hmm. like this field and I think especially lately there have been a lot of injustices in the media in many different ways and I think like realizing that a lot of a lot of things need to be changed, like with what's going mm-hmm. on politically and socially and a lot of things like right. need to be the movement there. And I think getting the opportunity to learn from these doctors that like are our dean or our dear students, things like that, <laughs> and are so successful and hearing mm-hmm. their stories and like being able to realize like we've already come so far in the last like mm-hmm. few years, but we also still have kind of a long way to go. No, I think that's really well put. And I know, Susie, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but you are an immigrant. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about your perspective and experiences um, with being an immigrant and being a woman in medicine? Yeah, so I feel like it's actually a strength, right? Because the Mm -hmm. minute that I wasn't in Miami anymore, I realized how valuable my experience is to being able to relate to patients, right? So if anything, Mm -hmm. it's been a strength. I, Mm -hmm. you know, my very first clinic that I did was at a Popka um, here in in UCF and it's a free clinic. Um, Mm -hmm. And Aisha, you know all about it. But there was a man (laughs) who he, um, he was in a really like bad place. He was in a really depressive episode and he had nothing that you could fix physically, you know? And Mm -hmm. obviously we have mental health Mm -hmm, professionals mm -hmm. there, but his problems went beyond using medical terminology. You know, you needed to have a conversation with this man and a lot of my classmates couldn't do it because they right. didn't know Spanish. And then they um, asked me to help and I spent over an hour with this man and the other mental health professionals and we got to the root of the problem. He had been going through some very, very awful tough things. He was also an immigrant and he was he was in grief and he, he had experienced loss and he had lost his faith and his way and we managed to pray with him and he hadn't prayed in years because he didn't know he had forgotten how and and we did that and that's kind of an extreme situation but things like that just being able to connect with patients that look like you that have been through things Mm -hmm. like like you have and even worse things and that for me I realized that there's a gap in America even though the face Mm -hmm. of America is changing and 
there's more diversity than ever. I'm not so sure that the diversity in medicine is catching up at the same rate. And so I mm-hmm. feel like I'm in a unique position to be able to not only empathize with people who are immigrants, but also um, be able to talk to them as human beings. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's my strength in medicine. And then the flip side is that there's a lot of um, <laughs> traditional gender values in a Hispanic community. And um, I have always battled between being, uh, had this internal battle between being the girl who doesn't take anything from anyone, who doesn't allow people to put her down mm-hmm. and be a little bit fierce, but also like, I don't want to be the girl that is, isn't known as being soft and gentle, right? Yeah. Because I want to be as empathetic and as gentle as women are known to be, but I also want to be strong and, and I want to be known as strong and I want to be respected, mm-hmm. right? And I feel mm-hmm. like those things are polar opposites and I was never taught how to be strong and respected I was never given those soft skills so it was really funny because (laughs) the other day um Jill said the dean spoke uh to our to our uh, class uh we we set up an event with AMWA and she was talking about salary negotiations and how they had kind of Mm -hmm. lowballed her um with salary this was back in the Mm -hmm. day and she said Mm -hmm. she spoke up for herself and I was thinking to myself oh my god I don't have the guts to do that because I'd be afraid of people not liking me anymore. I'd be mm-hmm. terrified of causing a stink of being the girl who asked for more money. How rude, you know, um, <laughs> or, or, you know, being disagreeable. Right. And I mm-hmm. haven't quite mastered how to be agreeable, how to disagree <laughs> without being disagreeable. And I, you know, I, I think of, uh, people use that term with, uh, rest in peace, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I, and I wish I, I, I'm trying to work on learning how to still retain my gentleness without, by, by, but also being strong and demanding and mm-hmm. getting what I deserve and what I've worked for. And that's mm-hmm. something that you don't, they don't teach you in medical school, but it's something I hope to learn. And I don't want to shed the softness and, and all the great things that come with a, a connotation of being female because those are my strengths, mm-hmm. you know? But I also Absolutely. want to do other things well too that I haven't quite mastered mm-hmm. yet. And then Jill, can you talk about some of your experiences working in like a male dominated field? Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, like I love that like our school is one that is led by females and things like that, but there very much is still like a majority of men that tend to go into specific fields or that are already existing doctors. So like, yes, while Mm -hmm. this year and this past year, we actually reached more women than men Mm -hmm. by I think like 0.9% as medical students, it's still very much, I actually looked it up earlier and it was like for doctors over the age of 65, 80% of them are male. For doctors in specialties of like orthopedic surgery, neurological surgery and interventional radiology, those are all over 80% male, like still. And I think it's very hard to be a woman and to be like, yeah, that's what I want to do. When even in our medical school, there are these men that very much feel that that is their dominated place. Jill, have you had any specific experiences maybe working in a space where it was kind of like male dominated? Well, I think that like, yes, our university is great with like equalizing and all of those things. Um, I definitely think some of the doctors that have come in 
are used to having it be a male dominated field. So for example, like Mm -hmm. when we were Mm -hmm. in anatomy lab, um, there was both like one of our female classmates and a male classmates working on a body doing the exact same thing. And the doctor repeatedly kept looking at the male and being like, oh, you're going to be a surgeon one day. Like, you're going to do this. You're going to be great. And like, (gasps) and like, (laughs) I have had so many experiences when like we've been in class and a friend of mine, one of the girls has said something and nothing happened. And then immediately after one of the males says it louder and gets all of the recognition kind of thing. Like that's a very mm-hmm. common, like men speak up more and things like that. And I think even in our class, even at our school, like, there are men who can come off as very like aggressive, abrasive, like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. know exactly what they want. They're going to go for mm-hmm. it no matter what. And they don't really like, hair Mm -hmm. and I think also like for us a lot of the things that we learn in school Mm -hmm. I think the same way that we're finding out like this year that like hey when we learn these diseases and stuff we're only taught the typical presentations so Mm -hmm. we're mostly taught about hey a heart attack presents with these specific symptoms like like you're gonna have radiating like shooting up and down your left arm but it's so much those were all studied in male populations. And so when females mm, come in. Yeah, that's so and, true. Yeah, that's a good point. We often don't have those symptoms. And so we're constantly like misdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. We're constantly pushed away and told like, oh, you're making it up. Oh, you're being hysterical, things like that. And it's just. Yeah. Like, it's don't even get me started on the hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also similar um, to the way like in this past year with all of the movement and like Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, that people have found that like things present differently. So like we're taught for like mm-hmm. Lyme disease, mm-hmm. like the target rash, but like that doesn't always show up on different skin tones and different people and yeah. things like that. So I think it's like a mm-hmm. really common, like mm-hmm. there are inequalities that are so heavily rooted in the way that we're taught in the mm-hmm. way that we see this entire field and the way that we're treated through it. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. And when I, when a lot of our, there were a few of our classmates um, in our med school that, brought to the brought to uh they brought awareness to the fact that skin conditions because i think that with coronavirus Mm -hmm. there might also be some skin conditions too in children and they might not show up in a darker skin tone and i not being black myself i had never thought of it right and Mm -hmm. so when they started Mm -hmm. talking about this i'm like oh my god like of course that's so obvious but i had never thought of it right and Mm -hmm. um and you know it's frustrating because med school can only be four years and every second of those four years are booked right so learning something more is like how are we going to fit in the schedule so I feel like we have to make an effort to learn those things but I also feel like residency programs have a unique opportunity to teach those kinds of things too Mm -hmm. because um like in med school, you you learn typical presentation, and then I think in residency, you you change, you know, you add to your illness scripts, uh, <laughs> and I and I think residency programs have a, a unique opportunity to, to expand our knowledge. Med schools mm-hmm. too, but especially residency programs. So kind of switching it up a little. So I know we kind of touched on the point of negotiating um, with salaries and stuff, but just in general, we all know that negotiating as a woman is harder. So what do you think is the problem with this for me- in the medical field? Have you experienced it? And like, how do you think we can work towards building ourselves up to be better at speaking up and negotiating these kind of 
things when we become professionals? Well, for me, I know absolutely nothing about negotiating and I <laughs> um, have never seen it happen firsthand and I've never heard it from a parent and I've never heard it from, you know, anyone. Mm-hmm. I've never learned those skills from anyone. So obviously, like if I were in a position where I know that I'm mm-hmm. getting that I'm not getting, uh, the, you know, I work really hard and my pay doesn't reflect that. I think it's adequate and appropriate to say something. I just don't know how to go about that in a way where you don't come off as confrontational mm-hmm. and you don't come off as mm-hmm. rude, but you also don't give the impression that that's an okay thing to do to someone, right? right? Like you shouldn't be put in that position in the first place. Um, but uh, so it's a skill that I don't know. And it's a skill and it's, and it's a moment that in my life, I'm pretty sure will happen. And I'm terrified mm-hmm. because it's uncomfortable and awkward. I think as an immigrant, uh, you always feel like you're living in a borrowed country. And, and I'm a U.S. citizen, but for a long time, and in my family, I felt like we're so lucky to be here because our home country is really hurting and it's not a good place to be in. And so we're really lucky to be here and you don't want to cause too much of a stink and you don't want to ruffle too many feathers. This isn't really your country. You're just living in a borrowed country that's already given you so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. So why ask for more? Mm-hmm. You know, you're already, you know, you're already where you are. What more can you ask for? But the thing is, is that you need to realize your worth, mm-hmm. right? We always demand from women, but we never t- teach them how, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And so the idea of having to sit in front of someone, especially a male, and say, hey, what's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that scares me. Um, and I think I've never been in that position yet, but I think if that were to ever happen to me, I would hope that I have enough women mentors and colleagues and superiors mm-hmm. around me that I can go to for mm-hmm. advice, mm-hmm. you know? And I hope to always be in a place where women build each other up mm-hmm. And I, and I hope to work in a place where I have women that I look up to that can help me mm-hmm. navigate my professional journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where AMWA comes in, right? Because the other mm-hmm. day we just had the Dean talk mm-hmm. and we're hoping to have other female speakers and we're hoping mm-hmm. to ask these kinds of questions because I really think that balance is achievable, mm-hmm. right? And it is. Yeah. I want to, it is. And I, and I want to hear from women who are doing it and not from, you know, my hairstylist who told me that my fiance would leave me because my job is too hectic or, you know, people who would tell you, are you sure you want to do that? How are you supposed to have kids? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to hear those voices. I want to hear voices from people who've done it. Right. And I think that's where AMWA comes in because we can bring those people to show Mm -hmm. girls that are are in our stage that yes you can do Mm -hmm. it and you don't have to be worried about that at this moment because it's possible balance is possible right absolutely and jill have you had any experiences negotiating or like you know problems having to speak up not necessarily like with salary yet but any of those kind of confrontations that you've had to deal with i think it very much does boil down to something that susie mentioned also like i -hmm. think knowing your value and I think that's Mm -hmm. something that's constantly like questioned like Mm -hmm. I every time I've had to speak up for myself ever (laughs) ever (laughs) I get very anxious I question if it's worth it if I'm worth it almost and Mm -hmm. it it doesn't you don't realize in the moment that that's what you're doing but like Mm -hmm. of course that's what it Mm -hmm. does affect like your own vision of like do you deserve this like do you are you worth it and I think that's Mm -hmm. like a big part of it I think once you can get that confidence down it's a lot of fake it till you make it like you know what you are worth yeah and then yeah you just need to find like you shouldn't be tolerating people that like aren't ready to acknowledge that you know Mm -hmm. and like that's the kind of like stigma that we need to challenge in 
this field. And I think also, like, I don't know. I think it's also, it's been internalized in me a lot more than I ever realized. The, like, mm-hmm. I didn't know, mm-hmm. like, I almost thought it was bad. Like, I used to shy away from being like, oh, my gosh, no, I'm not looking for a specialty where I can have a good work-life balance. We're like, of course you should be. Like, that's just, mm-hmm. like, a basic having a life being an adult. But I yeah. used to be like, no, you can't ask for that. You know? Like, yeah, like you don't want to say like, it wow. in case people look like you don't want to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And even, like, being able to be like, hey, it's just as much of a priority to me, like, to be a mother than it is to a job. Like, I never was able to say anything like that because I was always mm-hmm. like, Joe, like, if this is what I think that's something like, sorry, this may be a little off topic. Like, this past year, I think it's been a big, like, learning how to separate, like, being a medical student from my entire identity. Like, with mm-hmm. coronavirus and a lot of things, mm-hmm. like, so important. every one of us, like, has worked so hard to be where we are. We, like, like, all through, I mean, like, some of us through high school, like, all through college, like, you were working towards this, you were working towards being in medical school, and now that you're finally here, like, you're all, you have all these thoughts about how you're going to be as a doctor, mm-hmm. and when you're going to be a doctor, and you're going to work so many more years until you are one, but, mm-hmm. like, separating mm-hmm. that from your identity, like, I am more than just how good of a doctor I am, like, my worth comes from so much other Absolutely. outside of that, mm-hmm. and, like, yeah. I'm allowed to say, hey, I want a family I want a job where I yeah. have the ability to do that I think like learning that I'm allowed to say that was really big for me <laughs> yeah I'm like oh yeah <laughs> and I just I didn't know like I don't know I just I think it's so funny because we talk about these things and we're like hey we want like we should we want examples of how do you get that how because mm-hmm. obviously sacrifices have to be made at some place until mm-hmm. you find that perfect but like no man has ever been like hey how do you achieve a good work like I don't know I've just never seen that no that's so true like you know and I think that once this feminism movement started and and it's been so helpful but I think it became a little bit extreme where in order to be taken seriously you had to shun everything Mm -hmm. that made you a strong you know that made you a woman Mm -hmm. you know so that Mm -hmm. you could lose those negative connotations Mm -hmm. so that you could be respected in your field and you could be as man-like as possible but I think hopefully now we're understanding that being a woman is our greatest Mm -hmm. strength and it's our greatest superpower and there is a place in medicine for everyone for for every female that even if you don't want to have a top-notch work 24-7 career there's a place for females who want mm-hmm. to achieve that balance and want to do more than just one thing mm-hmm. and I think Absolutely. you don't have to be extreme you yeah. know you don't have to go to that extreme and you have to negate every other part of your personality and I and I love that Joe said that separating mm-hmm. your medical identity from your self-identity mm-hmm. because they're both very important and in the end of the day if you take care of yourself and you nourish who you are that makes you a better doctor mm-hmm. knowing how to be what the moment needs mm-hmm. you to be. Do you need to be gentle in this moment? Do you need to make decisions quickly? Do you need to, uh, I don't know, like um, be decisive about a medication? Do you do you need to be hyper-focused on something at the moment? You right. know, or do you need to slow down and mm-hmm. really listen to your patient? I, I think we can do all of those things mm-hmm. and it's about learning what time and what place is best for wow. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. And then I think we all acknowledge that yes there are areas where women in medicine need to not like step up but like we're still finding our place there Mm -hmm. but there's a whole other side of it and I'm sure like we all know that for listeners for friends for colleagues who identify as male there's also a role for them in this women in medicine movement Mm -hmm. as well so what would you both kind of like Mm -hmm. say to like some of your 
friends, colleagues um, who are who do identify as male, and how can they join? How can they? What's their role in this women in medicine movement? All I ask from any human being, any male or female, all I ever ask is that you treat me like an equal. Mm-hmm. Like so, I, I'll take give you a good example. When I was in high school, I ran track and field. Mm-hmm. And my professor and my coach told me that if that person next to you on the starting line has a uniform, you cannot underestimate them. Do they look different than you? Maybe do they look like maybe they won't be such a good Mm -hmm. runner? You might think that, um, but then the race starts Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you have to shut up because they're better than you, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, So that's the only advice I give people is that if we're all starting, if we're all here and we're all at the same starting line, don't underestimate me, don't overestimate mm-hmm. me. Just let me do my thing and treat me like an equal. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't want any I don't want any special attention. I don't want any special I don't want anything to be given to me because I'm a woman. I just all I ask is that you let me be me and mm-hmm. and treat me as an equal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jill. Um so I think like it comes with being an ally to any type of social movement is really like being aware of the spaces that you're in. Like, mm-hmm. it, we, we use the idea of, like, sitting at the table a lot. And I think it's being aware of, are you in a space where someone doesn't have a seat at this table? Like, is there a time where you can help by amplifying another voice kind of thing? Like, mm-hmm. you should use the power that you have to do the best that you can. And sometimes you know, that's like obviously advocating for yourself and the other things that you care about. But if this is something that Mm -hmm. is important to you, if this is, you know, you really want this women in medicine, you want this equality here, you want this field Mm -hmm. to change, like you need to Mm -hmm. do the work to like amplify the voices and make room and start challenging those things. Like, I think a lot Mm -hmm. of the times there's a difference between like passively, like, oh, I don't agree with that, but I'm not going to say anything or like, noticing things mm-hmm. from afar and actively being like, hey, that was wrong. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of value in those actions more than it is to just be a false voice there that's like fighting for things but not really making any change. Before we end, do we do you guys have any ending advice or final advice that you want to give to pre-med or medical students um, with regard to the theme of women in medicine or just entering the field as a female. My advice to any girl who wants to go for it is to go for it. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you that you can't. Don't let, you know, and sometimes the voices that you value the most are the loudest, mm-hmm. right? Like like your family or, or you know, your loved ones who might have opinions of what they think you should be doing mm-hmm. with your life. But the only opinion that matters is yours. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go for it, go for it and know that it's going to be a lot of hard work, but it's rewarding work mm-hmm. and it's your work to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that nothing, no one, no man, no woman can bring you, should bring you down that you're going to have voices that are going to tell you you shouldn't, or that are going to tell you that it's too hard, mm-hmm. that, that you're going to be unhappy, that it's going to be too much. Mm-hmm. Let yourself be the judge of what your limits are and let yourself decide what it is that you Mm -hmm. want for yourself um so don't let anyone tell you that you can't for any reason including your Mm -hmm. gender i think that when you are a woman in medicine you have a unique role to bring everything that you've gathered in your journey 
to medicine and that's very special Mm -hmm. because women are nurturers and they're caretakers but we're also smart and we're brilliant and we're strong and I think that there's a place for Mm -hmm. that in medicine and there's a place for that at the table honestly sometimes I feel like we need to hear that ourselves as we're going through the four years (laughs) yeah and for any girl that's struggling or any girl that's struggling or facing themselves with imposter syndrome like Mm -hmm. like I do like once a week at least because everything's twice this week (laughs) yes if you feel like this isn't your place or if you feel like the next battle that you've got to fight Mm -hmm. is not one you're gonna win just know that the girl that you are brought you here and she's she might not have won every battle but she's won every major victory else you wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. you know where you're sitting at so just know that you can't bet against yourself Mm -hmm. because the world's already going to do that for you so you can't be the person that's going to bet against your success you have to bet for yourself and you have to know that if you've won all major battles up to this point statistically speaking you're gonna win the next one so keep going girl (laughs) Yeah, every week. I'm here all day. (laughs) I'm here every day. (laughs) Honestly, like this conversation itself has made me question so many things and like rethought like all of everything. But um, (laughs) anyway, hi. Sorry. I don't think I could. I don't know if there's much to add to Susie. I just, I agree. Like I think knowing your own worth and choosing yourself. Sorry, I literally yeah, can't. that's like, a really good said point. It so well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I but think... choosing yourself—that's you have to. Who else is gonna do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think like you know? you know, no one else knows what you can accomplish. Like no one else can say what you can do or what you can handle. Any of those things, like don't let anyone mm-hmm. else set those bars for you because you can do anything you want to. I feel like I've been inspired. I need to go like do some. Life management, yeah. do some work. <laughs> yeah, this Literally episode will be on repeat whenever I need yeah, to. Yeah, up. this is gonna be my exam <laughs> week episodes nowadays. Um, I know like people will listen to this, but I hope that it'll encourage them to also have these kind of conversations because I feel like it just shows them that exactly. a they're not alone. Like we're clearly all reflecting each other's thoughts right now, and then like we're saying, sometimes you need that motivation, and it just comes from like each other and. Like, that's why we have yeah. support mm-hmm. systems and, and not feeling like you're alone. Mm-hmm. We're talking about women in medicine and yet <laughs> we're, we're not like even still trying medicine. to enter medicine. Like, but, I want to be but, a woman in medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but even, even just that, it's just so helpful. Like, I realized that just by hearing you guys, like, we have thought mm-hmm. about this a lot. Like, there are experiences, there are motivations, there are, like, inspirations that we have. And we rarely ever have conversations like this where we just kind of openly talk. Well, thank you guys yeah, so much. Thank you, guys. thank you for having us on. <laughs> thank you guys so much. This is so amazing. Like it really is like conversations that like things I've thought about, but like when we talk it through, I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like that all makes sense now. And like, it's not <laughs> just me. Well, thank you both for sharing. We hope you all enjoyed hearing from our four special guests today. Personally, Swathi and I were able to reflect a lot and really appreciated having the conversation with fellow women in medical school. We encourage you all to do the same and hope this episode highlighted some important topics of adversity and points to ponder as you progress in your medical career. Before we end, as always, we want to present a quote that will hopefully linger with you. This week in particular is pertinent to today's time and is a quote from the incredible RBG. And it says, women belong in all places where decisions are being made. See you next time.